Welcome to Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with wives that want to move to Charleston and lives lost learning to dance to Charleston. You're listening to the only podcast with Paul and Adrian that reviews every advice column on the market. Let's get into it. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap Adrian, can I do my impression of a white person seeing a food they've never seen before to you? Yeah. Ugh. What? I've never seen- what is that? You eat that? Ugh. Weird. Adrian, do you want to hear my impression of a white person seeing the exact same food at an upscale fusion restaurant that brought it to America and made it kind of a is cool this, hip is thing? Is this targeted at or who is this targeted at? Ooh, I would have more. Thank you. Delicious. <laughs> this is really good, right? Everybody likes oh, Yeah, I love this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, I've known about it for a while. Who hurt you, Paul? Yeah, you, you hit it on the nose. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That seems about right. Have you ever thought about like trying to make your background more interesting for people you zoom with no because it honestly feels like you live in an asylum when you zoom sometimes <laughs> like really it's just the avatar kiyoshi books that make it seem like this place is lived in at all come on now i don't know how to do this feature but i like it and i want to start doing it during academic meetings <laughs> come on now <laughs> how do i do this <laughs> For the audience, Paul just put up a little puppy, and then he put on a little hat, and <laughs> now he has a little hat with a eye patch on. A little pirate hat with an eye patch. Oh, you can't see that. I just put a beard on top of my beard. Oh, that makes sense. It's kind of a hat on a hat, if you've ever heard about that. I also like how you have the eye patch over your glasses. <laughs> oh, and now he's a little shark. You also can't see, but I made it fill my eyebrows in. <laughs> Interesting. You're going to be so jealous when my, I make my eyebrows pink. Whoa, that's more of a red than a pink, but you do look pretty rad right now. You kind of look like a punk because you have like the little mohawk, that's the shark fin, and then you have like the violet uh, eyebrows right now. I think it was pretty hard. Okay, I'll just go ahead and keep going. Uh, yeah, you're I can't right. take I you seriously with the eyebrows. <laughs> you have to change the eyebrows back. <laughs> Wait, why? I can't have a little bit of fun on my zoo. But yeah, you're right. I should probably like put a bookshelf back there with maybe a little bit of Gramsci, a little bit of Marx, you know, let people know what I'm about. That's not really what I meant when I said like have something fun in your background, but Oh, you're right. I, like I should have a water it. slide back there so people know I'm fun. Hey, come on now. That'd be cool. <laughs> you have a chance to rapper poster so people know that you do drugs. Hell yeah, brother. It's not a, it's not a poster, it's a one of a kind painting from a friend. Adrian, I hate to tell you this, but I was at Ikea the other week and I saw that exact same painting. Well, yeah, she sells them now as prints, but mm. <laughs> she got that big Ikea deal. Are you still looking through the settings to try to? <laughs> hey, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a, I'm a, fucking, I'm a movie. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I look at me. Like I'm a little rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, I got a cap and gown. <laughs> this could be you if you study hard, kids. Hey, that's fun because everybody knows you're never going to graduate. Hey, and I'm just going to do apply to all future meetings. That seems like a good <laughs> setting to hit. 
I do like that that is an option. Like, somebody needs this <laughs> to auto-pop up on every meeting. <laughs> this does remind me of the fact that I've now realized Nisa's- Wait, were you commenting on the fact that I have a bookshelf in my background, and my top bookshelf, like, the top thing is all theory? No, I, I can't see what's back there. I was just making a joke, man. Don't take it so personally. Yeesh. It hurt. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> but that video effects thing does remind me that recently I've been uh, been noticing my niece. She's getting to the age where she is used to FaceTiming me, so it's not so special anymore. So she doesn't always look mm. at the phone and come talk to me while we're FaceTiming. So you're putting on the animal faces? So I'm putting on the animal faces. Yeah. And, now, and now there's Uncle Paul, but there's also Uncle Mouse. And she loves <laughs> Uncle Mouse. Do you do a voice for Uncle Mouse? <laughs> nah, she just comes and hangs out with Uncle Mouse. And I just talk uh, to that's her. That's fine. Um, yeah, Phil, Phil and I do way too many bits with those on FaceTime. <laughs> that's that's what taught me to use those features. I was like, oh, that this is really entertaining, Adrian and oh, Phil. I think the the, yeah. the three way uh, FaceTime. We uh, taught you how to connect with your like three year old niece. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this would work for a ch- with a child similarly. Mm-hmm. And so I tried it on her the next time I FaceTimed her, and she loved it. She wants to talk to Uncle Mouse all the time now. <laughs> Paul sucks. I want to talk to Uncle Mouse. That's basically the energy I get from her. I call and I just see the disappointment on her face. I'm like, you want to talk to Uncle Mouse? And she gets psyched. <laughs> what do you do? You, or so do you do a character? Or is it like, oh, I was at the cheese factory all day today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Uncle Mouse basically has my personality. She doesn't talk yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but maybe as, maybe as she gets older, Uncle Mouse will have to upgrade. You'll have to come up with a whole backstory for Uncle Mouse. <laughs> his whole family died in a fire, and so now he hangs out with you, because that's his only family left. So her grandparents uh, adopted him, and that's how she came to have an Uncle Mouse. My parents adopted a mouse <laughs> whose family Stuart died in a Lilla. fire. <laughs> oh, shit, what was I going to say? Oh, you know, I had a I had a manager at Trader Joe's who, um, he told this story, and people seemed to take it with more offense than just whimsy. Um, but he talked about how... He does a similar thing, but in, in, in person, uh, you know, uh, where if his kids don't want to talk to him, he'll talk to them as Mickey daddy and he'll do a Mickey mouse voice. And people found that really disturbing. And he, cause he did it at work too, just to show us what it was like about what his impression of Mickey mouse was. And like, I don't know. I didn't know how to take that other than just like, oh, that's just a, a dad talking to his kids. But people found it really disturbing for some reason. What do you mean? Like they just thought the voice was creepy or like, they- yeah, they were like, please stop doing that. We don't like this. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, please don't do an impression. <laughs> oh, you, Let's you skip to the part where you stop doing the impression. <laughs> you don't you don't like uh, you don't like to talk to Mickey Daddy? Uh-huh. Is is there a button I can press? Just like a How much can I pay you to skip to the part where you're done doing the impression? <laughs> Man, Adrian, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. You've gotten mean recently, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I didn't get a lot for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what else is up? Do you have a media roundup? Uh, I spent my afternoon, early afternoon, watching uh, my boys get beaten up by a bunch of Nazis, so that wasn't fun. Let's see. Wait, I thought your team was the one that was, like, more right-wing, or is there a team that's even more right-wing than Milan? No, Milan's left-wing. Oh, uh, it was the other Milan that was right-wing then? Something like that? Their ultras are, like, right-wing, but not, like, super right-wing. Like, Lazio fans, I mean, they're literally nicknamed Nazio, like, they're actually, like, alt, like... Gotcha, and that's who beat you. Yeah, they whooped our little heinies. That sucks. I'm sorry, man. We're on a seven-game no-win streak, so it's not going great for us right now. But you know, that's the nature of being a Milan fan. 
But anyways, after that, I went to go check out uh, a show for San Francisco Sketch Fest. I, uh, I got to go see Trouble with Shapes, which is an improv group from Greensboro, North Carolina, that we've done shows with um, and festivals with uh, as the Buster Cups. Uh, so it's cool to see them. There was an improv group that called Clue Done It that improvs a uh, murder mystery show where you get to pick as the audience the uh, person who gets killed and the person who's the murderer. And that was very impressive, if not like kind of just okay. But man, the improv group Lemon Pepper Wet, so fucking good. All black uh, male uh, improv group. And that's their description. That's not me just like noticing a pattern. That's not like me putting that on them. <laughs> that is that is how they pitch themselves. Um, but yeah, it's a mix of like long form improv with, where they also do segments where everyone freestyles, freestyle raps as one of the characters they did in a previous scene. Uh, yeah, it was phenomenal. It was so fucking funny. Yeah. Check them out if you ever see them in your town. But yeah, I think that was it for me. So, throwing it to you, Paul. I don't think I have a media roundup. Yeah. Also, it's Cheap Movie Tuesday, and I'm thinking about going to watch that movie Missing. It's got pretty good reviews, but I thought it just looked like a worse searching, but apparently people are saying it's all right. I've never heard of it. It looks almost exactly like from the trailer searching and that it's like telling the entire story through screens, but... um, Did you, did you have any hot takes about the Oscar nominations? No. Uh, okay, I just want to give a quick shout out to everything, everywhere, all at once, with the highest number of nominations. Uh, Famously, you know, the, the Academy, Oscars what do they always know? get it so, right. Um, yeah, but you know. famously, everybody always says that they don't have a problem with racism. Well, apparently not. Everything, everywhere, all at once is eleven nominations. <laughs> you think we're gonna get a slap this year? Yes, and I think it's gonna be Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> My Oscar pick for this year is that James Franco shows up in a mech, destroys the building, and on live TV says, this is what you wrought on yourself for rejecting me, Hollywood. All right, cool. Do we want to get into the uh, topic? Yeah, sure. Let's get into it. Moving. Moving on it. Adrian, you, from what I remember, only moved once in your life, right? Like you had an old house and then you had a new house, but they were both in Gilbert, so you didn't really move, move. Oh, I thought you, I mean, I was going to say I moved... Once I left my parents' house, oh, I moved yeah. every single year until uh, I got into I this I guess apartment. I meant growing up. I've also moved a handful of times if you count young adulthood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking kid kid version? Kid version. You never had to like lose all your friends and, and go to a new state. Oh, no, I didn't do any of that. Yeah, me- We moved well, no, I guess- uh, about a mile away from where we used to live. Actually, less than that. Yeah, we walked to your old house once, so mm -hmm. it definitely wasn't a mile. Yeah. Like a quarter of a mile. Straight line distance, maybe, but there's a lot of woods in between. A lot of woods in between. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever moved into your old house, right? Like, it was just there, you could go to it? That's what, no, it was kind of a dilapidated trailer, so it wasn't really fit for human human life. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it got torn down pretty soon after we uh, left. Oh, really? Uh, no, we mm -hmm. definitely went to it at some point in college. Maybe in college? I guess that means it was around for a while, but no one else lived in there as far as I remember. But we got we left in third grade. I can't imagine why you wouldn't go back to like smoke weed out of there and stuff. That seems like the perfect second hangout for a young man. I think because we had Hunter's house where we yeah, could just do true. that anyways. That wasn't an abandoned building, <laughs> an abandoned <laughs> little trailer. We could have gotten a little like LED light out there. We could have thrown a little rave party, you know, come on now. That would have been pretty cool. And if we know anything about high school, Paul, that he partied. What about you? Wait, you didn't move states or anything, right? Yeah, when I was like seven and I came to Lexington. From? 
France? Before France? Yeah, I thought you were born in Canada. Yeah, Canada, till like age one. Okay. Um, so I don't really remember either of those. Like, I remember the second move, obviously, but it, I don't know. I wasn't like, I didn't have like a thriving social life in France I was leaving. <laughs> mm. You didn't have a lot of people say uh, adieu Au revoir. To- Au revoir. Adieu. Oh, okay. Come on now. I don't know the French language. It's a stupid language. It is a stupid language. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. You don't remember any of your little French friends? Uh, yeah, there was one girl I was good friends with, but that's about all I remember. I can't even remember her name, though. What's she doing now? No clue. Wow. I, I assume she's a big shot in France. Probably. Her probably. She's probably Marie Penn. Have you name. heard of uh, Tiffany Haddish? I have. I don't know how that relates to what we were talking about. <laughs> Based on my understanding of the context of the situation. Well, I was kind of hoping you would misconstrue the context and assume I was friends with Tiffany Haddish, even though those those timelines didn't line up at all. But clearly you saw right past my roots, Adrian. Timeline and geography, I think. (laughs) Well, how do you know she wasn't raised in France? You just know that? You know her history? Yeah. She's an all-American girl. In the same way that no one considers you an all-American boy, because you can just tell. I like that. That's kind of a compliment. I'll take that. Yeah, no, where people call me a Southern Belle. <laughs> well, that's just because you always walk around in a debutante's dress and a little umbrella, and a pink <laughs> umbrella. <laughs> that is true. Oh, my. Oh, Lord, these California summers. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, I don't know why. When we conceptualized this theme, I thought way more about moving as an adult than as a kid. That didn't even cross my mind. I guess it was kind of a big deal for me. We moved from, like, a trailer into, like, an actual, like, house with, like, it, it was kind of like a three-pig situation, you know? Like, I felt like a wolf couldn't come down and just blow our house down. Um, but was that a that, big like, worry of yours ahead of time as a child? You were like, this house structurally, and you'd tap the wall, you'd be like, not good, mom. I would be like, this does not have good bones. <laughs> um, I think the other part, no, wait, that's not true, is it? Oh, yeah, because third grade was when my brother went to college or thereabouts. And so even though we had the same number of bedrooms, Dorley and I never had to uh, share a bedroom uh, in the new house. Um, so that was a big uh, difference as well, was I got my own room for the first time. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You finally had all the independence a third grader needs. Mm-hmm, I was finally able to explore my body. What about you? Once you got into South Carolina, you guys didn't move anywhere? You guys stayed in that one neighborhood? Yeah. All right. Adult moving. Anything about that once you left the your, the parents' nest? Yeah, I remember one of the things in college was that, like, I always just had, like, my sedan. And when I needed to move, I would just pack it full of, like, everything I owned and drive it to mm-hmm. the next place. Yeah. But I know for, like, my brother would be, like, his in-laws. He'd be like, oh, yeah, they're your age. Like, they go to Clemson, too. But when they move, it ha- it has to be like a whole family ordeal. Like they get like the the like trucks, like they get the multiple trucks, and they all come mm-hmm. in and they have to like break down the house and the furniture and mm-hmm. <laughs> set it all up and leave. And I just, uh, I think at least college aged, I knew I never really wanted to put that much effort into moving. So I really made an effort into everything I owned could fit into at least one or two trips in my sedan. Mm-hmm. Like and it you was just always- burned everything else. <laughs> Yeah. So moving was never that hard, and I guess I always felt like the places I was living were were temporary, so I was never, like, super sad about leaving any specific apartment or house. Like, they always kind of felt transient. Wait, how did you uh, transport your mattress? 
Uh, different things, different years. Like, either I would give them away or donate them. The first two years were college-supplied mattresses. The third year was an apartment where they supplied one. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, and then the fourth year, I donated it after I left. It was uh, oh, okay. a sibling's old mattress that they gave me, and then I just donated it. Damn. Never sleep in the same place for more than a year. Nah. Yeah, man. Okay, that's cool. And then... Moving when I was older, yeah, I had furniture, and I had to get U-Hauls and stuff. I really like where I live now, so I've tried not to move, so I've re-upped the lease twice. Also, when I move now, it doesn't feel like as emotionally... I guess I conceptualize moving as a childhood thing, because that's when it like really has that feeling of, like, you gotta leave all your friends behind. How about you? How was uh, moving in adulthood? I absolutely hate it, and I did it every single fucking year until I moved into this apartment, as I said earlier, so... Let me think. First year, I moved into the honors dorm. I didn't have much. Um, sophomore year, I moved to Northeast Columbia with my sister. Um, and moving into there, as far as I remember, wasn't a big deal. Moving out was a stressful thing because it was one of those things where um, I had like a day in between leases starting and ending. So I had to like get everything out in one day. And then, yeah, after sophomore year, I moved to Rosewood where I lived alone uh, in a nice little, cute little two-bedroom house. Wasn't very nice, actually, but it was it was workable. Uh, and then I moved to Shandon with Justin, which there's stories there about how, uh, because his parents are annoying and, and, and ritzy and white, they had to approve of the place we were going to move into. Um, and so I had to pay more than I wanted to in rent, which obviously, in retrospect, sounds ridiculous that I was, like, afraid to pay $400 in rent, whereas now I'm paying, you know, more than double that to live in a shitty apartment in Davis. Uh, and then, yeah, the big move, the big move over to California, um, where that's a, that's a move. Now that's a movie. Now that's a move. We drove, uh, what could fit in my Nissan Versa. Uh, so my dad, me, uh, and then whatever could fit in the back of my car. And that's what I took with me to California. Oh, and then I moved around California a little bit and it's kind of been the same thing. Uh, I do sometimes, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I will sometimes uh, expropriate the lab truck so I can use that to move bigger items. Um, but that's about it. Um, and then the other notable story about undergrad moving was that I was supposed to live with Phil junior year. And that fell apart because uh, his parents were also very uh, annoying and nosy and wanted to know where we we're going to live and like check it out with us. And then right before we were going to sign a lease, because I was actually getting good at a place that was owned by my friend Alex's dad. And he was cool with me having the ferrets, and he like he knew me, and he was like, yeah, you guys are obviously going to get first uh, dibs to get the place. Uh, and then right before we signed the lease, Phil's parents said that they were, as a requirement for moving in, we, they had to have a key that they could get in at any time to check up on us. Uh, and I refused that condition of moving in, and that's when I had to scramble to find my own place. <laughs> Honestly, though, it seemed they probably would have never used it, right? That was like a weird threat. No, I think they would have used it for sure. <laughs> White people are horrible. <laughs> I think we actually thought about moving in again together the next year. And for some reason, I thought there wasn't going to be the same issue. And it happened again. I did once uh, when I was in Sacramento, I had a month to month lease. And man, that's a that's a kooky situation. <laughs> I only lived there for nine months. Yeah, it turns out that there's a difference between liking your roommate enough to live with them and having to spend every day with them because there's a pandemic going on. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Don't want to make it too much of a spicy meatball. She did get angry at how much I did not want to spend time with her during the pandemic. 
<laughs> wow. You so you just didn't like her personality then. It wasn't like uh she Yeah, no, she was a good roommate. Like she she was clean, she was considerate, everything was chill, but like I didn't like having hour long conversations with her about how she thinks politics should work in the world and how her white woman view of politics is that well, I talked to a guy at the airport and like he was talking about building the wall and, you know, we talked about things. And we talked about our differences and he didn't change his mind. But like if enough people talk to him and maybe one day he'll change his mind. And that's how politics works. That is how politics works. Famously. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I, after like enough of those conversations, I was like, OK, I'd, I'd rather just kill myself. Famously, <laughs> politics is about having long-winded conversations with weird right-wing relatives. Yeah, politics is all about seeing the old guy at the dog park that you go to and explaining to him why all lives matter isn't a cool thing for him to say. <laughs> Doesn't change how he votes or does anything else in his life, or <laughs> whether or not he accepts certain people, but he, at least he learned all lives matter, not a cool thing to say around that one white lady at the dog park who visits you. <laughs> um. All right, cool. Should we get into columns then? Didn't you move to Colorado for a while? Oh, yeah. For a summer, for an internship. Ooh, I see, I never got to do one of those summer moves. So that was... Or a study abroad or anything like that. That was even more like uh, low maintenance than my other moves. I had the uh, two suitcases full of stuff mm. uh, that you can, you know, check check one bag for free and one bag checked. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and then you didn't leave all of your friends because you got to hang out with Dorley while you were there. I did get to hang out with old Dorley Meister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was my only friend. I did not get along with any of my coworkers on that internship, so. Hubie. Uh, I spent my days on long walks through downtown Denver, which were really nice, but, you know, you can only do that for about three months before you want to leave Denver. All right, cool. You want to do your column or my column? Uh, I'll let you take a shot at starting. All right, all right, all right. So I didn't want to introduce this, but I do have a, a kind of a... Um, an interesting take on moving, not interesting take, a, a different take on moving than the actual process of moving. I'm sure there's uh, advice columns about that, but uh, mine is about a decision that I had to make and that I actually like researched uh, between my sophomore year of undergrad and my junior year of undergrad, as I previously stated. Uh, this is from Curbed.com, and it is, an, it is an advice column called House Rules by Brian Hopper. And the question is, is living alone worth it? How do I decide if living alone is worth it? Living alone is more expensive than living with others almost everywhere. So how do I weigh the trade-offs and figure out if it's the right choice for me? That's interesting. I didn't realize the question. I didn't read it beforehand. I didn't realize it was going to be a financial question because I remember when I was going to live alone, it was a psychological question. It was like, am I going to go crazy if I live alone? Yeah. Yeah. Some people really like it. I was always a little scared to do it. I thought I would get lonely. Mm-hmm. That's what I was worried about. And so I would read, like, advice things online, and people would be like, well, when you live alone, you know the dishes in the sink are yours, and you can walk around naked anytime you want. And I was like, <laughs> neither of those things are really, like, that important to me. <laughs> so I don't know if those are the big bonuses. When you live alone, you know that dookie that isn't flushed is your dookie that isn't flushed. Mm-hmm. When you're living alone, you know that sandwich that has a bite taken out of it was you getting a little hungry at night. <laughs> when you live alone, you know that dismembered goat out in the backyard was you getting a little disassociated and going on a wild <laughs> rampage the night before. Uh, anyways, that's why I brought in this article, because I did at one point have the uh, decision point of like, do I want to live alone? Uh, and I don't know about you, Paul, but I absolutely loved it. Um... 
this always blows people's mind in grad school when I tell them about it. I guess it was a different time and a different place, but $515 a month for a two-bedroom house with a front yard, a backyard, uh, laundry in-unit. I got to uh, use my second bedroom as a study. Uh, I completely furnished it with like stuff that I thrift shopped that I thrift shopped all throughout the year. And that kind of worked out because when I lived with Justin the next year, Justin was one of those guys who um always lived in furnished apartments each year. So he had nothing to contribute to the house. So once we moved into a new place, I basically just got to take everything that I already had and use it to furnish the new place. Um, so it was like kind of worth it. The amount of time I spent trying to curate some stuff to, uh, to have and furnish the place. Um, yeah. And I loved it. It was one of my most productive years. It was one of my most social years because living alone means that like for the first time ever, I was hitting up people to hang out instead of having like the attitude of just like, oh, if someone wants to hang out, I'm sure they'll hit me up. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I think you, this person should do it, assuming you can afford it, which I guess that's like the most obvious part of the equation. Like obviously living alone is going to cost more. Yeah. I mean, that's not what they asked, right? Because a lot of people know themselves. So I feel like he knows he wants to live alone. He really is asking about the financials. Um, yeah, it is really annoying when you see that, right? When you like look at like the prices in an apartment complex and you're like, wait, people living alone are paying like $200 less than people splitting like a two bedroom. Despite the fact that they're getting the same amount of like square footage, almost like it's like yeah, 100 exactly. square foot difference. It's like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling me putting less walls up makes this place more expensive. I don't get how this math mm-hmm. works out. It is hard to justify a lot when you see those kind of things. Like it's like at that point, maybe just find someone you're willing to live with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know what really shocks me? It's like, you at least felt like, you felt like the anxiety of, will I enjoy living alone? There's some people who I remember from college, like, from year one, they were like, I want to live alone. I don't, like, want a roommate. Like, they knew immediately that they just did not want to have to be around another person. And that type of person, I just don't get, like, I don't know. To me... I guess growing up in a family and stuff, I just never really imagined, like... Wait, your assumption is that people who wanted to live alone never lived in a family? I guess they did, but I don't know. I just never, like, imagined (laughs) that as a benefit. Yeah, I always think that people who live alone were probably apartment kids. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I guess to me, it was never, like... It never sounded super cool to live alone, but for some people, it does. It sounds like that's the exciting adult thing, gets to get to live alone. I don't even know if it's an adult thing as much as like, I think a lot of people have not great experiences with living with another person who's not related to them in their first year of college and they get really bitter about having roommates. You think that's it? I think so. Cause I think it's a lot of people talking about what they want to do next. Right. You know what I think it is, is that we're so atomized in this <laughs> capitalist society. That even the idea of a roommate is too much intimacy. Do you really think that's what it is? Yeah, everything's capitalism, bruh. But do you really think that explains that social phenomena of who wants to live alone? You think I'm less atomized than somebody who wants to live alone? I think you're woke, bro. No, I think probably I don't know. I mean, like can can we can we definitively say that cleanliness is probably the number one thing that like causes fights between roommates? Yeah, right? I mean, that was a big that was a big draw for me living alone was after living with my sister and her uh, boyfriend. Like, I was so excited to, like, live in a place that I knew was always going to be clean because it was just me. Mm. And that was great. Yeah. Also, you wouldn't have to live with a stinky girl anymore. No more finding pads all over the place. That is true. God, I'm glad she had her own bathroom. <laughs> um, If you lived alone, would you walk around naked everywhere? 
No, I, I, I really, uh, I, I like the support of some boxers. I don't really like to let it hang out like that. It feels too exposing. Like, uh, well, it's just like I'm walking around and I'm slapping everything off of like desks and stuff, and like I'm knocking things off the kitchen table. You know, my big fear is that like if there was a viper around or something, there'd be no cloth in the way for a direct attack. Not even like a little fig leaf or something. All right. Any other actual advice for this person who wants to live alone? Um, figure out, you know, usually three times your uh, the amount you make. Wait, what is it? Rent needs to be a third of what your monthly income is. <laughs> you should be paying three times what you make in rent. <laughs> you should really be taking out a lot of debt to live in a real swagged out apartment. That's how Justin always thought about it with how his parents paid for his stuff. <laughs> And then if you really get lonely, you can just get a dog or a cat or something. I like how we're we're so concentrated on our emotional lives. And this person really definitely is just trying to figure out the finances. I think you should uh, do a lot of scratchy lotteries and see if you can yeah, hit I mean, it big. But like, what is there to say? Like, account for the fact that you're going to have to pay for the utilities on your own. Account for the fact that like, you're it's all like sewage and water is all on you. You have no one to split bills with like. You're gonna account have for the fact that shopping for one person for groceries is harder than shopping for multiple people or a household. Based on when I've lived alone, account for the fact that you're probably going to end up at an urgent care more often because you're not going to have like anybody else around that you think is going to save you if you fall ill and start dying. So you're going to go to the urgent care pretty quickly after getting sick. Exactly. If I get worse, I'm just going to die in my bed alone. I need to go <laughs> now. <laughs> Account for the fact that if you run out of body wash or shampoo or whatever, like there's no none to steal from your roommate. That's all on you. That those are the finances of it. It's not that bad. Well, I mean the places are more expensive, but I would say if you want to do it, it's worth the expense. You can you can find a one bedroom spot. Do that thing where you like live in like the side house that an old lady owns mm. on like her property. Do like the pool house living, like uh uh Will Smith. What is that? Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you are going to have to set up some sort of deal where like you, you know, have dinner with her every night and she gets to call you by her dead son's name. But that's I mean, you can deal with that. It's free dinner. Free dinner. Mm -hmm. That'll help your budget. Uh, OK. Do you want to read the answer? Yeah, let's hear it, buddy. After spending my 20s and 30s living in dorms or with roommates, I finally rented my first solo apartment a year and a half ago at age 40. So I've been through this decision-making process very, fairly recently. I'm currently reveling in living alone, but I also think that shared living situations were the best choice for me when I was in them. For a long time, they were also my only choice, given that the state of my student loans was not good. Some things to consider as you decide. 1. Your personality. Are you recharged by solitude or drained by it? If you're an introvert sharing a home, you're going to need to find roommates who will respect your need to withdraw and retreat. If you're an extrovert living alone, you're going to need to do extra work to get your social needs met. 2. How you need or want to use your home. Do you work from home? Do you have friends over a lot? How important is it to you for you to control the decor and tidiness level of your surroundings? Some people are happy to work at their workplace, sleep in their bedrooms, and live the rest of their waking lives in third spaces like coffee shops, restaurants, bars, parks, gyms, and clubs. Other people prefer to work and or socialize at home. 3. Location, location, location. I used to date a guy who was sharing a one-bedroom apartment that had been turned into a two-bedroom by hanging a blanket in an open doorway. That wasn't it's turned into a two-bedroom. That was a one-bedroom with a blanket in it. Don't don't call it a two-bedroom. <laughs> hey, just call it a spade a spade, you know what I mean? 
It's one thing that they have roommates, it's another thing to know that every sound of your sex life is reverberating throughout the apartment, but he was happy to sacrifice his privacy in order to live in a neighborhood that was close to coffee shops and the subway. What are your non-negotiables when it comes to walkability, commutability, and or doors? It's important to be honest with yourself about your needs and desires so you can figure out that you're willing to comprom- what you're willing to compromise on in order to live alone. You might be willing to compromise quite a lot, because the upsides of living alone are many. As one of my friends rhapsodizes, living alone has given me a sense of independence and freedom that would be impossible to have living with my partner or a roommate. I'd compare my home space to a cocoon. It's where I retreat and reset myself without human distractions, and I value that. Or, a slightly more jaded, as a slightly more jaded friend puts it, I will choose being able to watch what I want on TV without consultation or commentary over partnered intimacy any day of the week. Okay, now do the Slavo Zizak voice. This person wants to pick what's on TV, so they're gonna issue human contact. We are so atomized. <laughs> living alone can be heaven, but that doesn't mean it's easy. In this column, I'll tackle a few of the practical problems raised by living alone. My next column will discuss some of the social and emotional challenges. Alright, so apparently this was a series, but that's it for this one. Uh, I mean, other than the issues I mentioned while you were reading, I mostly agree with that, yeah. Like, I mean, it yeah. is a, it is a pros, cons, benefit analysis. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize it. So this whole advice column, this particular webpage that I'm going to link in the um, description, uh, it has a series of questions about living alone. So the next three questions are all about cooking alone, how to get things like uh, stuff when you're sick when you're living alone, and things like that. So if you really want to go through the whole rabbit hole of this, uh, it seems like this advice column is a thorough uh, survey of the issues. And aside from the problems that Paul pointed out, yeah, pretty okay answer. I mean, I will double down on how crazy it is that, like, grab bag from a hat complaints of having to live with another person is that they might want to watch something that you don't on TV. Adrian, can I ask you a question? And this is, I hope it's not insensitive to how dark of an issue this is, because it's tangential to the very dark, depressing issue that our country is facing right now with gun violence. Do you get whenever these things happen in California, there was two this week that were recording. Mm -hmm. Do you get texts from people like back out east who are like, are you okay? We heard about what happened. Because I think that's one of the craziest things that happens after a natural disaster or like any sort of uh, Mm. like national news story in a region is when if you live there, you get those texts from people who live far away that are like, are you all right? It's like, yeah, the news says like 10 people were affected. Why would you assume? Like, I think by like numbers wise, I'm all right. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things like that. Like, there was my first year of grad school, and there was, like, an earthquake in LA, and my mom texted me to ask if I was okay, and I was like, you used to live in this state. Like, you know how far- that's eight hours away. <laughs> like, why would you think I'm affected by this? Uh, and yeah, even the thing that happened last week was like, well, I guess I was in the Bay on Sunday, and they happened on Monday, so, like, okay. I was, like, in the vicinity, but no, no one cares enough to text me, so. <laughs> Nobody was worried about you, you didn't get any, like- so, oh, and I don't do that thing on Facebook where you, like, mark yourself safe during a natural disaster or anything like that. But. Oh, as somebody who doesn't have a Facebook, I did not know that was a thing. That's awesome. I feel yeah. like I've picked up most features from most social media sites just through, like, conversation mm. and, like, the general social, uh, the general just, like, social vibes. of. The, but I did not know that that was a feature. That's one that never heard mm-hmm. mentioned. Yeah. That was like a little joke that I would do is whenever we were hanging out and you would take a poop, I would mark myself safe. (laughs) 
<laughs> just be like, I'm in the vicinity, but I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> could you could you mark yourself safe based on like any event somebody creates? So if somebody's like party next Friday, the day after, you can be like safe. <laughs> <laughs> Or does Facebook have to mark it as a disaster, or could any event be a, I'm safe? I don't, I don't know. Um, I, 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 like I said, I don't use this feature. You should. Yeah. Sounds like the funniest feature. Also, very dark that we need it, but. Um. I know. Well, it's for natural disasters and. That's true. That's disasters. true. You do it for international ones, like when the when the soccer team got stuck in the cave in Vietnam. You were like, <laughs> mark, <laughs> "Mark myself safe." Mm-hmm. When Brittany Griner got arrested, I was like, "I'm gonna mark myself safe from this one." <laughs> okay, so I'm bringing in a Caroline Hacks column. Good old Caroline Hacks, Washington Post. We've brought her in a number of times. She's a real standard style advice are columnist. We, uh, are we 100% sure that it's Caroline, or based on the way it's spelled, should we be pronouncing it Carolyn? Carolyn? That that could be true. I didn't know that you could tell from the spelling. Is it usually an E at the end of it's Caroline? I don't know. Dear Carolyn, my wife and I live 10 minutes from her mother. We visit her once a week and text every day. We'll soon be moving to a new apartment an hour and a half away. It's larger and in an area we'd like to someday buy a house and start a family. Unfortunately, my mother-in-law insists our moving away means we hate her. Otherwise, we wouldn't leave when she needs us to stay. The thing is, she doesn't need us nearby. She is in good health. She is generally very independent. She lived her entire adult life several states away from her family, so we never expected this much drama over a comparatively short-distance move. We'll still text daily and visit every few weeks. We've told her there will be space in the new apartment for her to come stay sometimes. None of that matters. She still sees our move as a punishment. How can we help her understand this is not about her? How do we communicate that our unwillingness to prioritize her happiness over ours doesn't mean we don't care? I mean, the way they wrote that last sentence kind of sounds a little bitter. Expand on that. That just sounds like a weird way to frame it, of just like, that sounds real attacking, like, uh... How do I get her to understand that she's prioritizing her happiness over our ha- like why not why not just use more neutral language of like how can I explain that we don't hate her we just need to do stuff for ourselves Oh I th- no she they didn't say how do we explain to her that she's prioritizing her happiness he's saying our unwillingness to prioritize her happiness over mm. ours It still feels like a weirdly accusatory way to write that mm. I'm not going to lie I don't mind mostly because she sounds very annoying Oh yeah I mean it's a mother-in-law come on Enough said. I'm surprised they're not trying to move like four hours away. I mean, have you seen the movie? Have you seen the movie Monster in Law with J Lo? You know how I haven't. Is that are. a real thing? Yeah. Or yeah. wait, is it is it J Lo? No, it might not be J Lo. Might be uh, what's her name from Friends. It might be uh, Jennifer Aniston. It might be Jennifer Aniston. Very similar kind of people. You know, it was more like the vibe of when they were famous in the rom com circuit that got me to confuse them, mm. not their uh, ethnicities. <laughs> Okay, okay. That makes but sense. you know, I don't see color. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, mother in law sounds annoying, and it does sound too classic that this is coming from the one who this isn't their mom. The uh, It sounds like she has a spineless, or they have a spineless yeah. partner. Yeah, the spineless wife who won't just stand up to the mom. Yeah. The if you do this thing, it means you hate me is an awesome rhetorical move, and I approve of it. It's kind of cool. 
How do you think I got to be the one who named the podcast? That is true. I wanted to call it Big Old Titties. <laughs> Big Old Titty Hour. If you don't let <laughs> I thought it would entice more people to watch. <laughs> if you don't let me name the podcast, you hate me. I'm going to fucking kill myself, Adrian. I have been emotionally held hostage this entire time. Uh, visiting your mother-in-law once a week seems seems excessive. Yeah, it's so funny that he seems like he's already doing the most, like way more than you need to do. Once a week is a mm-hmm. lot of visits. That would definitely be at the point where I'd be like, honey, why don't you go visit your mother-in-law and I'll stay at home and do yeah, things that aren't idea. stupid and lame. <laughs> well, I play Elden Ring. <laughs> well, I play Elden Ring. <laughs> well, I watch another episode of White Lotus, even though we said we were going to watch it together. I'm just going to watch ahead. Well, you go protest climate change. <laughs> I'm such a cool dude. Nobody talks about what a cool <laughs> dude I am. <laughs> You're a really good supportive partner. Um, do you think part of this has to do with the uh, these incoming childrens that are coming? These incoming chitlins? Chitlins. Yeah, she wants to be next to her grandkids. Mm-hmm. Is that so crazy? You think she's going to have to just FaceTime every week and be mouse grandma? Also, I love the part where she... Maybe this is a negotiation strategy because it seems like she's gotten a lot more out of them than I would give up to a mother-in-law. We're gonna text her all the time and she's allowed to stay in the extra room in our apartment. Mm -hmm. I feel like this guy's already been suckered into giving up more space than he needs to. I mean, I think he should have negotiated down to a phone call a year and... And a couch. You get to come in on Christmas. It should be... One handwritten letter per decade, and we're going to give you a voucher for free lunch at the Radisson down the street. Okay, but Adrian, that's how they know you're not negotiating in good faith and they bring in the arbitrator. No, no, no. This is called anchoring. So you have to give an unreasonable starting point to get to where you really want to be. Which is one mouse FaceTime (laughs) every month (laughs) and getting to sleep on the couch. For those of y'all that don't know, I don't know if we explained the concept well enough. On FaceTime, you can make yourself a motherfucking mouse. There's just a button well, you can that choose from you a into variety a mouse. of it's animals. Right there. And I'm wondering why you. I'm wondering why you chose the mouse because you can use like octopus, owl, giraffe, shark, panda. I actually, and I some do, of them... I do switch it up sometimes. She really likes the mouse and monkeys. Those are her two favorites. Okay, because some of them are much more expressive in how they show your eyebrows moving, mm. and some of them have way better tongues that you can do to like stick out your tongue. The alien like, does have a very fun green tongue. <laughs> she has a book about how you're not supposed to put your hands in various wild animals like mouth, so I always do the shark, and she has a book that she'll run and get where it's like, don't put your hand in a shark's mouth. She likes that. I'm really proud of whatever child book author found that <laughs> niche. You have like... What's the guy? Ibrahim Kennedy? What's his name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ibram X. Kennedy. Yeah, he's making anti-racist baby, and then some <laughs> Joe Schmo is like, what animals can and can you put your hand into their mouth? Yeah, I know. Uh, well, it's mostly just can't. I don't know if he did a sequel about what animals you can put your hand in. Oh, really? <laughs> it's just like, don't put your hand in a bear's mouth. Don't put your hand in a shark's mouth. Hmm. But if you put your hand in a clam's mouth, you might be able to get a pearl. Ooh, okay. I'll have Penguin Publishing call you for the sequel. They'll be in contact. Or is it a scallop? I don't actually know the phylogeny of those animals. Are those different things? They have to be, right? Yeah, yeah, he's always stunting on us with these big words. Phylogeny. Philosophies? You weird homie. Um, did your parents see it as punishment when you moved away? 
no, they uh, they didn't care. Okay, you didn't say, Mom and Dad, I hate you, and I'm going to go make it big out California way? No, 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 no. Um, no, the other thing uh, about it is that... Oh, so this is a fun story. Um, so, as I've said before on the pod, my parents came here and ended up here because they thought it would be a safe place to raise me and get me educated. They have no affinity towards this place, so they are trying to get out of here as soon as possible. So they have no real particular interest in me staying close in their years while they're wrapping up things and trying to get out of here. Um, which I think it would be really led... cool if your parents didn't go back to Guatemala, but became like they got like a like a nice Sicilian cottage. That would be cool. Actually, one of the things they thought about doing for a while was just uh, retiring in an RV and just traveling across like the states and like Latin America, Ooh. doing a real like Che uh, RV diaries. <laughs> that radicalizes them. <laughs> I don't think that's quite as hardcore as the motorcycle diaries, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think they can ride motorcycles that far. <laughs> um, but it did. That general notion that we sometimes tell people did lead to my sister in an exit interview from her last job telling the owner of the place all of the microaggressions that happened, one of which being her telling some one of her coworkers uh, who was white about our parents wanting to go back to Guatemala and that always being their goal, and her being like, that's so good for them. So many of you guys come here to this country and just never leave. <laughs> you see, this is the problem with the definition of microaggression. I think that might just be an aggression. <laughs> I don't think that's a microaggression. <laughs> that's just racism. <laughs> I think she might have said it in a less direct way, but that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. one of the comments Dorley got from her coworkers. And then she got this other microaggression where the person was calling her, like, all these slurs and yanking on her hair and telling her to go and back burning home. Burning her cross in her yard. <laughs> you dirty guat, they said. And I was like, I don't even think that's a slur. And they were like, well, I just made it up. Yeah, they're like all all slurs had to be made up by some some brave soul had to come up with the they had to be the first one to say it. Would you be offended if someone called you a leb? No. This is an You're offensive right, you territory. Can't just cut I was off about the to say because nationality and call it well, a slur. You can for certain Far East Asian countries. That is one of their legitimate slurs. I'm not going to say it. Chai's? Oh, I forgot to say there is also um, of the improv troops the guy who opened the uh, sketch fest show was a stand up comedian. Who talked about how like a woman in his life said that she could say the N word because her baby daddy's black, and he was like, "Of all the reasons, like you know, you're singing along to a rap song. Uh, one of your black friends says it's okay. You're Louis C.K. Like those are all the appropriate reasons why you should be able to say the N word. <laughs> your baby daddy being black actually seems way more valid than all those reasons. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I don't know. It was a pretty funny bit where he was like, it just felt like she was like, how often is she calling her son that? The other thing about that stand-up is that he did that thing where he made fun of white liberals, but he didn't make it clear that he was a leftist. He kind of just left it at like, yeah, you guys probably get it that I'm not conservative, right? <laughs> um, based on my previous material. Um, so that part was really funny to me because like, obviously I understood, but I was like, you, you could at least mention to the crowd that like, you're not conservative when you're making fun of liberals. I think he did fine, Adrian, but I'm not in the business of critiquing POC over every little thing. You didn't even see him. I assume he did fine. Because I He did do fine. He was good. Yeah. He had a real chillax attitude. Do you want to hear the But like answer? he still seemed like a hard worker, but like not like chillax isn't like <laughs> yeah, he's a cool guy. <laughs> do you wanna hear the answer? He obviously works hard on his craft. Adrian, don't uh, worry, I'll yeah. cut it out. <laughs> you don't you don't have to <laughs> 
<laughs> I wouldn't like discriminate against him in an interview for having such a relaxed attitude. Okay, Caroline Hacks. Carolyn Hacks answers. Stop explaining yourselves. Just stop. If she really wanted to understand, then she would probably piece it together herself. Say, uh, they like the neighborhood. And if she was truly stumped, she could, one, ask you to explain, and two, accept as an answer the basic outline of your thought process that you provided to me. So there's bad faith all over her reaction. Her lament that you decided to move because you hate her is not even an hour and a half away from the neighborhood of understanding. She is trying, with more success than finesse, to bully you, emotionally, into calling off your move. That's it. One of the advantages of visiting a relative weekly and texting daily and planning to maintain an active presence, even as you move an hour plus away, is that you are fully inoculated against charges that you don't care. As you say yourself, you also operate from a foundational unwillingness to prioritize her happiness over ours. That's not... That's not only your prerogative, but also appropriate for independent adults. You're living your lives as is your prerogative, and she's living hers as is her prerogative. That means, by the way, that all the time you spend together is freely chosen versus coerced, which makes it better, even if visits are less frequent due to the distance. So just own it. Own it and stop tacitly validating her claim to the top spot on your priority list. If I sound cold, then that's because I see preying on people's sympathies as a particularly insidious form of blackmail. If you loved me, you wouldn't live your life on your own terms. Does not warm my heart or even pluck my guilt strings. It's a form of manipulation and control like any other, except crocheted into an afghan and presented as love. Don't be suckered in. Love her, listen to her, visit her, feel compassion for whatever hole within her she is trying to fill with your obedience, but don't erase yourself for her. She'll either deduce you care from the evidence of your continued visits, or she'll hang onto her victim narrative in perpetuity at ultimately her own unrecoverable expense. The part where she said that preying on other people's sympathies is a particularly insidious form of blackmail. I don't think that's true. I think most other types of blackmail I'm aware of are more insidious. blackmail is an insidious type of blackmail. One thing that stuck out to me, I don't know if I've recognized this in other Carolyn Hacks uh, answers, she clearly has a real English student mindset. She really text. She really uh, quoted from the text to really back up the uh, point she was making. Oh, are you referencing that one really fun twist she did, where she's not like it's not even an hour and a half away from the neighborhood of understanding? I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, Carolyn, get literary with it. Come on now. Come on. Mm, 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 mm. Nah, I thought yeah, I thought it was a fine enough, if not somewhat dramatic answer. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of words to avoid just calling this lady the C-word. Well, so we, we do know for sure that it's a wife with a husband or a wife with a wife or a wife with You're a... You're right. I, I, I don't know if it mentions. Maybe it could be a same-sex couple. My wife. I mean, that okay. is like... So the, it, could that's be, the s- it could be two wives. I don't way. think they mentioned their own gender. Oh, wait. Okay. So wait, it's not the stereotype of the, the man's the one who's afraid to stand up to his mom? Yeah, no, that's a wife's mom. Oh... I, uh, when we were talking about this being a classic advice column thing, it's usually the husband uh, or the male partner who is afraid to stand up to his mom. It's not a completely unheard of gender flip for the wife to be the one with the overbearing mom. Yeah, I mean, what if she's Italian and you're like, you know, 
Californian or whatever. Okay, but then you get your known of good spaghetti. Spaghetti's not that good. You get a good tomato sauce. You get a cannolo. Is that the singular for cannoli? Are, are cannolis multiple cannoli? Yeah. No, cannoli is the plural. I don't think that's true. I feel like it's... They're both cannoli. No, it's the same thing for... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, what's the panini? It's a Panini means multiple, so you'd have a panino if you're going to order one. I'm going to look like a moron when I try this at my local Italian bakery. Mm-hmm. And spaghetti. Obviously, that's multiple spaghetti noodles. You want just spaghetti. Unless you want a tiny one, in which case it's a spaghettino. Molto bene. Am I talking to the two Italian kids from Kicking and Screaming? Massimo and Maximo? <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you that? Um, so I've been on an entire saga trying to register my indoor soccer team. There were too many teams. We didn't get up to the minimum number of players quick enough. So we got wait waitlisted. But one of the ways we tried to fill the team is Marshall was texting people he knew in entomology. And he was like, yeah, my friend Seth is going to try and add these two Turkish players that he knows that are, like, pretty good. And I was like, is this a kicking and screaming? Are we going to get the two Turks who, like, help us win the entire league? Dude, the other day I was, like, talking about that with Izzy, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, uh, the two Italians from kicking and screaming? She's like, no, what's that? I was like, you, you have what? a... Wa-. I was like, this is my annoying Star Wars guy saying, I got to show this one to my girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. This is why you can't date someone with a vertical high default. Come on now. <laughs> How did she not know about Massimo and Maximo? I know. And then I was uh, just explaining the pop plot of Kicking and Screaming, and I was like, and then he gets a cappuccino machine. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that getting addicted to coffee is part of it, isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. I gotta rewatch that movie sometime soon. All right, Adrian, do you want to get into our third segment? If we gotta... I mean, what do you mean if we got it? I feel like we need to. There's a poor man out there who needs our help. That's true. He put up the bat signal for Big Facts No Cap. What's the uh, li- Statue of Liberty, the like, send me your poor, you're tired? Big Facts No Cap is send me your nagging wives and how he can stop them from <laughs> nagging you. <laughs> um, this is uh, a topical tip for a friend of mine. Uh, you might have heard about him. His name is Charlay. Address 1830 um he currently lives in sacramento he's from you know what i'm not gonna get this wrong he's from somewhere in the midwest he went to college in illinois indiana but that's just to say that he doesn't have roots in california and one thing that his wife who i don't know what her background is uh is that she has been nagging him to make a big money move Wait, whoa, whoa. to charleston it, okay I, he to make it clear, you know, we don't want to get anybody in the doghouse here. She, he didn't use this language. He didn't. He didn't use this language. He didn't say she was nagging him. You're adding that for comedic effect. He was just asking you based on like my wife wants to move there. I think. I think he actually said begging, not nagging. Well, maybe we should take both of those out. We, we're not trying to put people's lives out here on the pod. Begging, begging you. I was gonna send this to Joy. Did you ask him if we had permission to talk about this? Nah. You know, Adrian, don't ask for permission. My Oh, my wife keeps harping on moving to Charleston. Okay. Can we can we use harping? I think we can use harping. That's fair language. Begging and nagging both sound negative. Harping feels... That's kind of equally in its connotation, but... <laughs> anyways, um, so we're going to give him a topical tip about moving, about convincing your partner not to move, about Max Keebler's big not move... 
and specifically about a place that we both know, Charleston, North Carolina. South Carolina. Are you doing a Charlie because he always mixes them up and you're trying to mess with his head? Yep. Uh, Here we go. Charleston, just to give you a basic idea of this place, is a populated place within Palmyra Township in Halifax County, North Carolina, United States. The location did not participate in the U.S. Census, so the population is not known, but the township's population was once reported as 1,182 as of July 2015. Uh, And it seems to be in North North Carolina. Now, it is possible, given the fact that Charlie always says that I'm from North Carolina, that he confuses North Carolina and South Carolina almost habitually, which is almost in the way where like, you know how like, I feel like you've said this before, where you have things where you're like, I know I always mix these things up. So I think about what I'm going to say and pick the opposite and I'm going to be right. (laughs) That's what Charlie could do if he wanted to be right about these things. Do you think there's any chance he was thinking about Charleston, South Carolina? It's so funny that he mixes them up because it's like, I get it if you're from like Illinois or Indiana, wherever he's from. Or the Bay, like Emily. Or the Bay, like Emily. But from being from the Southeast, such different vibes. I know they're right next to each other and they have Mm -hmm. the same name, but it is like almost immediately shocking how different they are of places when you cross the border. They are not at all. Like, there's no reason to get them confused. It would be like... I mean... It'd be like confusing Vermont and New York because they're near each mm-hmm. other. It just really has no comparable. I mean, don't get me wrong. The best of both worlds is at the border, at south of the border in Carowinds, where I think where we meet is where we really surpass our limits as uh, individuals. Mm-hmm. But that being said, at Frugal North McDougal, Carolina. where you can get cheap South Carolina mm-hmm. priced alcohol right south of the border. Um, And I've been on record saying this, and I'll say it again. North Carolina, the better Carolina. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But the Hoosier state. Charleston, a lot of people do like for a certain vibe. I mean, I used to bring up this fact before in conversation, but like there was a period of our of our lives where Charleston was the number one tourist destination in the United States. Yeah, it doesn't have like the best restaurants or people, but it has a real vibe to it, a real coastal it's got a vibe. Other than maybe like Pennsylvania and a few other places that going up the East Coast, not New York because they've torn down every old building, probably one of the more like historic feeling cities in America. Like when you're walking around, the architecture just feels a little bit older. Oh, what are you talking about? I feel like no contest. It's one of the most historic like places in the country. Yeah, but also it's not just historic in like that history happened there but you still get that feeling like not everything yeah, like been, visible yeah, history yeah, yeah. yeah not everything's been torn down or rebuilt like there's still a charm to it yeah for sure it has good vibes in that sort of way i don't think i've known some people who moved there and i mean even compared to charlotte which isn't an impressive city they were like it just felt like there wasn't much to do to be honest that was a lot of people's review who moved there from charlotte so i mean maybe it's the type of people i know and what they like but yeah i've gotten some pretty mixed reviews about moving to charleston (sighs) i don't want to bring this up but it is the number one thing to think about just like living alone what was there what was the price range of stuff they could do because charleston's a pricey town It, it has bougie stuff it does have stuff for tourists who are coming in to do like a boat tour or who are coming in to like get a really expensive glass of wine it doesn't really have mid price stuff for that, mm-hmm. you just have to go out to Mount Pleasant, and then you're just living a suburban lifestyle you could live anywhere, really. I guess the beach is close. You can drive to the beach from Mount Pleasant. but Beach? Uh, the only tea plantation in the United States? Or something like that? It's something like that. I don't know what it is. 
Uh, there's a Tanger Outlets out in Charleston. He should really put that into his pros cons list. I feel like you're really selling Charleston down. <laughs> I mean, you're right. King Street is beautiful. Name everything there is to do in Charlotte. Charlotte's famously got a lot. There's a whole website called Charlotte's Got a Lot where you can see everything Charlotte. You guys got. don't even have a zoo. <laughs> Oh, okay. And what, the aquarium in Charleston is cool? It was on my list of things to do, but we ended up not doing it. Yeah, it's kind of overpriced for what it is. It's fun to do once. It'll be fun to do with the kids. He's got two little kids. You have to think about that as part of the equation. You're right, he can get a season pass. And the beach is fun. And imagine how tame your kids are going to be. In this PC world, they're going to get a leg up as they look darker. Mm Mm-hmm. If they get to hang out with the Gullah people while they're, like, doing their (laughs) basket weaving and hear their stories... I don't think you get to just hang out with the Gullah people when you move to Charleston. Yeah, if you leave your kids there and you go like, all right, I'm going to leave you with a $50 bill, go up and ask them to hang out with you all day. He's also got to factor in the amount of money he's going to lose on property value when the sea levels rise and he can't resell the house. I, I mentioned that in my text about like, I don't know what the projections are for Charleston in terms of climate change, but like you guys maybe have another five or six years of partying there before you get, <laughs> before you got to get out of there. I thought Ben Shapiro said once that happens, you could just sell your house. Oh, yeah, I forgot you are a Ben Shapiro fan. Um, No, Adrian, you see, people won't want to buy a house in a flood zone. That seems like a pretty solid rebuttal. I don't know why that hasn't been brought up yet. Yeah, I know. I was the first to think of it. Mm. Wait, why are you hating on Charleston restaurants, too? I feel like Charleston's got some banging-ass restaurants. You know, I thought that, too, but multiple... This is based on people who have gone there that, like, they feel like they're not very accessible either for price or for location reasons. Because mm, you have to, like, take a boat to there? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I've taken a few day trips to Charleston as an adult, and I feel like I've really enjoyed myself every time. But, uh, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would totally live there, but I will say Justin wants if I Justin wants and actively is trying to live there. I asked Phil if you could afford it. Would you live in Charleston? He was like, yeah, of course. Hell yeah. Yeah, maybe the people I know are just wrong about it. I think I had a better sense of it before I talked to these specific people I'm thinking of. I know Drake was in there for college, so like he was like really in that like I've heard some horror stories from people who went to college at Charleston where it was like it's it's very hard to afford a place, you're gonna live somewhere dangerous, it's not gonna be super fun. But I think for adults coming back to Charleston with some like, you know, adult Oh, you see when I went to visit people who lived there for their college experience I remember, and I stayed at their apartment, I remember thinking, like, this seems like the life. This seems pretty cool. Mm. Um, But I guess they did live far away. They lived, apparently, South Kings is a scary part of town. That's where they lived. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm. And they made it sound bad, but then it was, like, kind of one of those things where I just kind of walked around outside. I was like, I don't know. I don't see it. Maybe, like, if I was here for a while, I would see all the crime and scary. Interesting how Paul, with uh, his privilege that he has as a man... As a as a male presenting person who's uh, big and strong and muscular, didn't feel scared in that area. Interesting. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And how he's denying the lived experience of other people saying that it was scary to be there. Adrian, give more advice to Charlie. How, do, how does Charlie gaslight his <laughs> wife into not moving to Charleston? <laughs> That's what we need to um, be concentrating on. Ask if he's worried about raising two daughters in a state that's probably going to outlaw reproductive rights pretty soon. Oh, damn. That's actually a crazy good point. I mean, I was incredibly surprised to see a recent map of like since roe v wade was overturned which states have implemented like really robust anti-abortion and not measures. south carolina and south carolina yeah right isn't that crazy i know 
I mean, they probably will within the next year, but I was like, that's crazy. Yeah, I thought they would be on it. Um, and then also probably something about the education system, but actually the education is not too bad over there in Charleston, right? Like it's pretty yuppie. I guess. Yeah. You have Wando, but I mean, you asked me, Hey, what should I tell Charlie about moving to Charleston? And my first thought was all the annoying people I know from Charleston. No disrespect. If you're one of my friends who listens to this podcast and are from Charleston. Sorry, Maccabee. Sorry, Maccabee. You know, we love you. And all I was thinking of is like, yeah, I guess if you move to Charleston, you just got to figure out the zoning, whether they're going to be the type of annoying kid that goes to Wando out in Mount Pleasant or the type of annoying for the people who got, were smart enough to get into either academic or arts magnet. No matter what mm-hmm. school they go to in Charleston, they're going to be a certain type of annoying. That's an escape. Yeah, I remember there was a video contest for like the state academic system that Hunter and I entered in. And, like, the finalists were, like, me and Hunter and then, like, uh, academic magnet people from uh, Charleston uh, were, like, the only people who made it to the finals. <laughs> and that doesn't sound like the worst life. Just living a yuppie life. You got crab cakes. You go to Westbrook because you live in Mount Pleasant, which is a, one of my my number two brewery uh, in the world. Okay, you're Westbrook. getting their, uh, what is it, their orange goza? Uh, people like their key lime goza. Key lime pie goza a lot. Uh, and then my number one brewery, also in Charleston, Edmonds Oast. So uh, I don't know what to tell you. There's some good shit there. Get, you, you get your kids into a yuppie little high school. One of them ends up dating a Paul in college and then breaking up with them. And when you move to San Francisco to go to art school. <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I didn't keep up with all that. Too much drama. I did tell him that one of the bonuses of moving to Charleston is that, like, it's already been gentrified. He can't do anything more to it than what's already been done. Um, But the downsides of Charleston are moving in general. Like, come on, that seems like a pain. Your kids have friends. I mean, one of them's pretty young. I don't think they've started school yet. But, you know, it's hot during the summer. Well, but then you have the beach to cool off in. It stays a nice temperate climate all that year. is true also you know how you've talked before about if you grew up in canada and became a lobster farmer yeah i could kind of see charlie switching from bees to crabs and becoming like a crab fisherman <laughs> a, a crab fisherman i'd buy him his first adorable bucket hat Ooh, maybe charlie should move to charleston and then i would be friends with him instead of you that's pretty far apart i think i would probably move to columbia just be closer to him i'm not letting you have charlie i just want to be friends with cool lobster farming charlie with cool crab farmer charlie it would be really cool. Charlie, move to Charleston, man. We're going to have such move a good time. There. I also, I don't know if this is a thing for him, but having visited San Francisco this last weekend, it's very drivable, too. It's a very, it's not like a scary place to drive like San Francisco or other like really big cities like that. I don't know if that really factors into your decision, but ride your bike there. Yeah. Yeah, any other thoughts or ideas about whether or not he should entertain his wife's ideas or whether or not he should be like... I think he should. You gotta hey, keep woman. Adrian, I've always hey, said, woman. happy wife, happy life. <laughs> it, it, You know, I don't know if we had this context in this before for the audience. Uh, Charlie is a very good-looking, uh, able-bodied, uh, cis, uh, white man. I think he would do great in South Carolina. Oh, I, I thought you were about to say he should withhold sex from his wife until he gets what he wants. He should, too. That's also part of our advice. But also, like, I could see, like, Charlie, like, being the next senator of South Carolina if he moved there. I think there's nowhere for him to go but the top if he moved to South Carolina. You think the general population of South Carolina is so inbred that one guy with straight teeth is just going to move here and take us by storm? (laughs) I think so. He's a very handsome fellow. 
She's gonna be like, that man speak all type of fancy and shit. Mm-hmm. He should be in charge. Mm-mm-mm. Nikki Haley's just gonna take off her sash and put it around him. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I might just be a simple country lawyer. But I know leadership material when I see it. All right, Adrian. I think we've given Charlie a lot to chew on. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do a final recommendation? Move or not move? I say move. Get out of California, man. A wildfire is going to get you. It's going to get your kids. Yeah. Run. Well, you want to keep paying those taxes? <laughs> you make a dollar, the government wants 12 dimes. Come on now. Move to Charleston. Move to Charleston, buddy. Or... If you really want to be cool, Greenville's on the up and up. Oh my gosh, that is the worst advice ever. When people are like, Greenville's actually one of the fastest growing cities in the country. It's like, shut up. You're not going to make Greenville happen. Stop trying to make Greenville happen. In fact, that's my big fact for this episode. South Carolina, stop trying to make Greenville happen. It's cool that we have a waterfall downtown, but stop trying to make it happen. It's not happening. And my no cap is, hey, Greenville, let's make it happen. South Carolina, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Just the women, just the men. All right, up, 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 South Carolina, stand up, South Carolina, stand up, stand up, stand up. I was toting my pack along the dusty Winnemucca Road. When along came a semi with a high-end canvas-covered load. If you're going to Winnemucca Mac with me, you can ride. And so I climbed into the cab and then I settled down inside He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand And I said, listen, I've traveled every road in this here land I've been everywhere, man, I've been everywhere, man Across the deserts, bare man, I breathe the mountain air, man I travel, I've had my share, man, I've been everywhere I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, Mattawa, La Paloma, Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, Amarillo, Tocopilla, Barranquilla, and Padilla, I'm a killer. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Boston, Charleston, 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 Dayton, Louisiana, Washington, Houston, Kingston, Charleston, Texas, Canada, Monterey, Charleston, Faraday, Santa Fe, Tallapoosa, Glen Rock, Black Rock, Little Rock, Oskaloosa, Charleston, Tennessee, Tennessee, Chicopee, Spirit Lake, Charleston, Grand Lake, Devil's Lake, Crater Lake, the Beach Lake, I've been in Charleston, I've been in Charleston, Bear Man, crossing Charleston, Bear Man, I breathe the Charleston, Bear Man, I've traveled, I've had my share, man, I've been in Charleston, I've been in Charleston, 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 Charle